Good morning, New Life. Can you turn to somebody and say good morning? Come on, show those teeth. Not in a menacing way, but show those teeth. Come on. Well, happy Mother's Day. Can you find, if you're a mom, can you raise your hand? Come on, somebody look at them and say happy Mother's Day. Greet them, give them some Mother's Day love. We're going to start off with a verse, um, and if they could put that up there, because I don't have my Bible with me. Uh, All right, so in number six, it says this, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Anybody need some peace this morning? So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. We are not in Israel and we don't know Moses, right? Um, But we do have Jesus Christ. And John 1 says that because of Jesus... If we believe in him, we have the opportunity to be called children of God. It means that we are priests with Jesus, just like Aaron and just like his sons, which means that we have the power to bless people. Come on. We have the power to bless people in God's name. Don't raise your hand, but I'm sure maybe some of us have cursed people in God's name, right? But God's children bless people, amen? So this morning, we're gonna, we're gonna start off with a song called The Blessing. Um, and we're actually, that's exactly where this song comes from, is that verse. Um, and if you would, I want you to think about somebody who needs the Lord's blessing. I want you to think about somebody who needs God's face to shine on them. They need God to bless them. They need God's peace. And as we sing this, I want you to prophetically speak it out over that person. Can you do that? If you can't, just sing along, okay? So let's stand up. Lord, we ask that you would come. (laughs) We ask that you would come. um, You would give people uh, in our lives, um, bring them to our mind. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to bless people. Lord, we want to bring peace. God, thank you that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen.
face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face toward you and give you peace.
chaos You're my compass When the road is long You're my portion Never failing For me only Jesus Let my heart want for nothing but you just But you, just you, the riches of this world could never satisfy. Then my heart want for only you. You're my center, should I wonder? My future, and you redeem my past every moment and then forever. For me, only Jesus. Then my Let my heart want for nothing but you, just you. Let my heart want for nothing but you, just you. The riches of this world will never satisfy. Jesus for me. for me. Come on, let's sing it out. For me, for me. Only Jesus for me. For me. Only Jesus. Jesus, you are so good. You are so, so good. God, let us set our eyes on only you. For me, for me, only Jesus, for me, for me.
just you Let my all off tonight Just you The riches of this world Can never satisfy Let my all want for only
can you turn to somebody and just tell them how good God is? Come on. I am crying. <laughs> um, <sighs> Would you all do me a favor and just sit in the presence of God with me for a second? <laughs> One of my favorite guided prayers starts off with sit, take a few breaths, and acknowledge that you are in the presence of the Holy One. Come on, let's, let's just sit and acknowledge that we are sitting in the presence of God this morning. Throughout the Bible, there are stories of people who encounter God. And they go into the meeting one way and they leave transformed. They leave changed. They leave different than when they came into the meeting. Our God changes lives, amen? Come on, our God changes us. Come on, put your hand on your heart and say, God can change me. Come on. I don't know about you, but that is a relief for me, right? But to all, and this is talking about Jesus, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Come on. Come on. And we act like our father, amen? Right? Some of us act like our mother, amen? Come on. It's Mother's Day. Um, we have a family in our church that has gone through an accident. Um, and it is going to, at least for the next month or two, really alter um, their ability to work. And so uh, if you know Myra and Brandon Hall, um, Brandon got into an accident this week. Um, and they've got med medical bills that are on their way. Um, they've got to take some time off. Um, they can't work. And so we are setting up, um, actually we're not setting up, Cassie has already set it up. Um, if you wanna go to our online um, giving, you can um, go on there and click down, it, it, there should be like a section that says funds. Um, click on that and you can go down and I think it says Myra and Brandon. Um, we leave changed after we see Jesus, which means that I was stingy and I'm not like talking hypothetically. Yes, I was stingy. I was self-centered. I wanted to figure out what I could get for myself. I didn't need to depend on anybody else, but I could do things myself. Bootstrapping is alive and well in America, amen? But that is not how the family of God works. The early church had a saying and it said, let your alms meaning your, your offering, not your tithes, but your offering, the money that you set aside so that you can help others. 
The money that you set aside, you say, hey, I'm gonna withhold spending this, consuming this, and I'm gonna hold on to it until I find a place to give. Myra and Brandon need that money. Myra and Brandon need our help. Myra and Brandon need the family of God to act like the children of God, amen? All right, that's it. Uh, we have four ways to give, right? Ta-da! Can we give a round of applause for our audiovisual? They are <laughs> magicians. All right, so we've got our mailbox. We've got our giving box that is out here in our foyer. Um, if you head out those doors, it's over on the right. You can go onto our website if you know how to use the internet. And you can go to the Church Center app um, if you know how to use your phone. So um, with that, we are going to dismiss our amazing, wonderful, incredible children. Come on. That is you and you and you. We are also going to dismiss our teenagers um, our youth are going to be heading down. You are, and you, and you, sir. Yes. Um, you guys are going to be, and you. That's right. I see you. Um, so grateful for Krista and Daniel that are doing that. And Anthony. Can we give a round of applause for Anthony? Anthony, turn around for a second. Anthony is drumming and going to kids, all right? So double action today, Anthony. Thank you very much. Um, as well as Krista is going down with our teens. So, <sighs> oh boy, what a morning, huh? I don't know how it is for you, but it has been intense for me. And um, that's unusual because I like to just be cool, be real cool. Um, but it is not working this morning. So, um, Whatever. If you've got your Bible, and I would encourage you, if you have an analog Bible, bring it. Um, and it, it, I just really love, you know, analog stuff. Anybody here wish that thing we had more analog stuff? Oh, not a lot. Okay. A few. How many people enjoy the digital world? Oh, I feel like there's a lot of people who are omitting their hands. Come on. Come on. Raise your hand if you enjoy your phone. Ah, there it is. There it is. All right. Um, in John, we're going to start in John 1. John 1, we're going to do in verse 12, which I've already um, read and referenced multiple times. But I get the honor to speak on Mother's Day. Gosh, it's going to be amazing, maybe. All right. Um, I and mean, the title of my message is, Are You My mother. Come on, turn to somebody and say, are you my mother? And you can answer, you can answer. If it is, if you are their mother, say yes. All right. Um, I want you to lock, lock eyes with somebody across the room somewhere and say, are, are you my mother? Come on. Um, in 2009, um, my wife, Anya and I welcomed our first son. It was incredible. It was amazing. Um, right out of the gate, you know, I, you know, she handed, or the midwife handed him to me, and he decided to leak all over me, right? Does anybody, I mean, right? Parenthood is 
exciting and a little bit dirty. And then two years later, our second showed up, Vienna Hope, and she is the bright hope of my life. She is incredible. She is amazing. She is right there, and she is the best. But I'm going to be honest, by the time Vienna showed up, I was pretty tired, okay? There are studies about sleep deprivation, and the summary is, it's not good for you, okay? And so through that nonsense, somehow... The Lord gave us a surprise gift of my third child, okay? And by this time, we are like barely functioning adults, all right? We are, uh, she was functioning way better than I was, but I was just like, people, if you ask me during those years about that one time, I don't remember, okay? I was on autopilot, I was scared, I was tired, and I didn't know where I was. Can anybody relate? Any parents relate to this, okay? All right? And, and if you, gosh, and I don't want to just paint with broad strokes here, but if you have three children, it might, you might have had the same experience as us. And that is, like, let's just keep him alive, okay? <laughs> Literally, for a while, my goal was to stay married, have three children, and not kill anybody, all right? And so, I mean, just set the bar low, right? Let's just life and life abundantly, maybe just keep it at life, all right? So our children are growing up. They're, they're getting older, and we had some friends over, and Liam, my youngest, is um, a toddler, right? You guys know that beautiful, amazing age when they can walk and they can kind of talk, but it sounds more like another language, right? And, and you, you, you know, they're just adorable at that stage. They don't go to the bathroom in their pants, okay? And, and, and it's just wonderful stuff. Well, we have just caught our breath in the season of life. We are just starting to sleep. We are just starting to smile once again, right? And, you know, you come out of that phase, you're like, what had happened for the last seven years of my life? And we had some friends over, and we were playing some game, and I don't remember what it was, but something happened to Liam, and he fell down and hurt himself. And Anya and I didn't bat an eye. We didn't say his name. We didn't reassure him that he was okay. We didn't ask if he was okay. We were like, oh, he's not dead. Good. <laughs> and our friends who at this point has only two children, okay, like rushes in, okay? Have you, does anybody know someone like this? They cannot allow people to not be nurtured, cared for, and have a donut, all right? These people, she rushes in, she scoops him up, she saves him from the floor. And he turns you know, the Disney spotlight comes down on his face and he reaches up to her and he says, are you my mother? <laughs> and it was like, huh, what, what's going on here? There has probably been a point in your life where you were searching for some reassurance. 
You were searching for some nurturing. You were searching for maybe some of your needs, and, and maybe not as a child, but maybe as an adult, and you probably wouldn't have said, you know, are you my mother? But the idea is like, can, I, can this person like be amazing to me, right? Can this person maybe help me? Maybe, has anybody ever been a child before and you remember not knowing anything? And people said, well, go do that. And you're like, I don't even know what that is. And usually, most people have this story. A teacher, a coach, a friend of your parents, a family friend, an aunt, an uncle, someone in your life, maybe a school counselor, Maybe, and maybe a police officer in your community, someone at some point stepped in and said, hey, hey, come on, come on, I want to help you. I want to show you how to do this. I want to, I want to, you know, maybe encourage you. Come on, raise your hand if you've had somebody like that in your life. Come on. That is why teachers do what they do. It is not for the money. All right. This morning, I want to talk about what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a daughter, what it means to be a son in the kingdom of God. Not in America, not in Clatsop County, but in the kingdom of God. You guys know that there's a discrepancy there, right? Okay, there's a little bit difference about what we see and what is promoted in our culture and what we read in the Bible about what God has called us to do, amen? So we're going to start right here, right now, um, with the, uh, I call them the, the Hall of Famer uh, women in the Bible. And it's found in Matthew 1. And it, it starts off, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And if you know anything about Jewish uh, uh, culture, it is a patriarch-driven culture. You know, descend, or inheritances are passed down through the men. And so... It's interesting that there are a few women in Jesus' lineage that are mentioned. We know, we know that there are women in his genealogy, right? Like, everybody has a mom. Can we agree on this, right? Am I speaking just profound truths this morning? But the Bible goes out of its way to mention a few. The Bible goes out of its way to mention a few. Uh, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah. I'm going to go through the guys really fast, okay? And then we're going to stop on the ladies. And Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez um, is Tamar's son. Tamar gets into this book. Does anybody know the story of Tamar? Tamar is Judah's daughter-in-law whose husband died and Judah cast her away. And so Tamar, looking for little eyes, okay, little ears. Tamar actually convinces, she goes and she acts like a prostitute. She dresses up like a prostitute and she tricks Judah into sleeping with her. 
That's one of Jesus' great-grandmas. Not like the model citizen, right? You guys are all really uncomfortable, aren't you? And Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. Does anybody know Rahab's story? Ding, ding, ding. Winner number two. Rahab is a sex worker. She is an actual prostitute who runs a place of business. Two spies show up. Joshua sends them into the town and says, hey, I want you to go scope out Jericho. And where do these dudes show up? Like, where do they end up? They show up at Rahab's house. For what? You guys are so awkward, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for bringing all this up. On Mother's Day. Talk about flowers. Jeez. (laughs) Another one of Jesus' great-grandmas is a sex worker who apparently really likes one of the spies. So much so that she says, you know what? I am going to be a traitor to my entire city, country, tribe. And I am going to, she hides the spies from uh, the city guards and the king. And she then, once they leave, she goes, hey, listen, I'll make you a deal. Anybody, anybody, literally she says, how about this? If I show you guys the way out, all right, will you guys just make sure that me and my family don't get murdered when you guys come in? Because we know that your God is an incredible God. We've already heard about what y'all did to Egypt. We already heard about all the, the Red Sea business. You can go back. You read it on your own time. It's a fascinating story. They come in. Rahab ends up marrying one of those spies. Okay? Salmon, by the way, which is an amazing name. I'm pretty sure that's not how it's pronounced in Hebrew, but whatever. Okay? So we've got (laughs) option number two. Okay? And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, the sex worker. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. Ruth isn't even a Jew. We have a foreigner in his lineage. She ends up marrying this guy whose dad is already dead. He has a brother. He has this mom named Naomi, um, her now mother-in-law. Her husband dies. Her brother-in-law dies. And now Naomi says, you and your sister, Orpah, I think, um, you guys stay with your people. I'm going to go. Has anybody ever been rejected by your mother-in-law before? You think her not liking, you know, whatever, your green beans, you know, casserole? Imagine if your mother-in-law was like, hey, you know, um, you know, now that my son's dead, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I'm actually going to leave you. And I'm not going to, we're not family anymore. 
How brutal do you think that is? Then she goes with Naomi. She says, no, listen, sucker, you're stuck with me. Okay, are you my mother? And she goes back with Naomi back to Israel. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Can, have you ever gone to a new place before? Have you ever had to work up the courage to be the odd woman out? And do you know what happens? They go, hey, why don't you act like the beggars and go out into the wheat fields and pick some wheat? And then, and I hate that this is a common thread. She finds Boaz, and Boaz is somehow, you know, connected. You know, he's a, an option. He's a very eligible bachelor. And so what happens? Boaz is actually working out in the fields. He's out there. He stays overnight. He's brought himself a little blanket. And do you know what she does? She creeps up and snuggles up to him for shame. Now, I know you guys aren't saying anything, but if your daughter did that, mm -hmm. these are Jesus's great grandmas. It's going to get so much worse. Ugh. And Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of, the, of David, the king. Ha, huh. Finally, we've landed on some royalty. We've landed on some good ground. We've landed on like, you know, solid people, right? When people talk about their, their, their children marrying, it's like, ah, oh, this is a good family. These are good people. Nope. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Duh. Do you guys know this story? Okay. In our current culture, there's a lot of conversations about consent. Okay. And, you know, whether or not, you know, people can consent. And then there's situations where you literally don't have the option to consent because there's such a power dynamic. Right. We've, we've got people in power who abuse those who are not. Uriah's wife is at home. The king calls her, and they end up making a baby. Now, even if it was consensual, it still, she still didn't have the option of saying no. David ends up killing Uriah, okay? And now we have Solomon. This is also one of Jesus' great-great-grandmas. A woman who was coerced and forced into having a child. Jesus' moms are not perfect. They were not perfect. They came from imperfect situations. You ever find yourself trying to measure up you ever find yourself dismissing yourself and saying, you know what, you know, my, my family's, you know, rejected me. Hey, you know, everybody in society looks down on what I do for a living. Hey, generally, everywhere across all of history, everyone hates traitors. Right? 
These are Jesus's great grandmas. Women who were not perfect. Women who did not measure up. Women who did not fit our beautiful curated idea of what it is to be a mother. What it is to be a grandma. What it is to be a wife. We have all of these different social rules that say you must fit here. You must fit there. Fun fact, do you know what the average, and I was going to wait till later to bring out this one, but do you know what the average age of female models is in our society? 16 to 21. Raise your hand if you're 16 to 21. Raise your hand. Come on, you've got a shot. You've got a shot at being a model person. Raise your hand if you're over 21. You're never getting it back. I want to tell you right now, it's not possible. It's not reasonable. It is insane. The pictures that we put in our own mind and we put on top of ourselves that say this, if I was like this, then I would be enough. But that is not who God used. Come on. That is not who God used. Everyone who believes in him and calls on his name gets the opportunity to be called a child of God. All we need is to want to be with God. All we need is to believe in Jesus and say, hey, that's what I want. Rahab, I'm a sex worker and these people are going to come and kill everybody. I do not want door number one. I'll take door number two. Most of us have options. Hey, am I going to yield to this? Am I going to contort myself, my emotions, my spirit, my body to look and act and sound like something? Or am I going to choose option two and say, you know what? Maybe God made me beautiful. Made me, God made me with a vibrant spirit. Maybe God made me a little aggressive. And he made me that way for a reason. He made me that way. Maybe, and I'm being facetious here, maybe, just maybe, God knew what he was doing. And on top of that, most people, I do a lot of counseling. It's super depressing. I have Jesus. It's okay. Most people experience some sort of trauma, some sort of abuse, some sort of mistreatment. And you say, I'm broken. I can't, I can't possibly function. God, you know that I am a heap of garbage. And I know that none of us would say that out loud in church, but I know. Statistically, about 50% of the time, most people are mindlessly thinking. And about half the time, they're mindlessly thinking about themselves. And about half of the time, they're mindlessly thinking about themselves in negative ways. And that's not America. That is a study that was done across the globe. 
we struggle with not feeling like we are good enough. But God made us for a reason. And even if that original reason is busted up and broken and mistreated and abused, God can fix it. Come on. God can fix it. So, there's this beautiful story. It's beautiful. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's beautiful. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, it's a picture of, of what God needs women to be like. Come on, come on. Judges 4, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of God after Ehud died. What a name, Ehud. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned as Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth Hagoyim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lipideth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm, wait for it, of Deborah, between Ramah. Any women here have a, your own tree? Come on. Get it, Deborah. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up for her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Nephtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulon, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Laban's army, to meet you by the river of Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hands. God's daughter, Deborah, who's got her own tree, summons Barak and says, hey, Barak, God wants you to deliver his people. And Barak says, I'm so scared. Barak said, if you will go, Deborah, Barak is a warrior. Barak is a man. Barak has men who follow him. And Barak is like, I don't think I can do this. I need you, Deborah, to lead the armies. Barak said to her, if you will go with me and hold my hand and make sure that I have a lunch snack, okay? Make sure that I have orange slices. Make sure that I have a little juice box. I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go because I'm a coward. Verse 9. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Now, if you're Barak and Deborah, who's got her own tree and she's judging the entire nation, okay, I don't know if she has a gavel or not at that point, but she is the one who says, yes, do this. No, don't do that. Give that back to them. Okay? She is the judge. Anybody ever been to court before? 
You got to stand for them. You got to do everything they tell you to do. She shows up, has this interaction with Barack. Barack says, you know what? That's fine. It's fine if a woman gets the glory. Now, who do you think he thinks the woman is? Come on, a little bit louder. Oh, you guys can do better than that. Who do you think Barack thinks the woman is that's going to get all the glory? I'm with you. We agree. Then Deborah rose, went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak called Zebulon and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up from their heels, and Deborah went up with him and held his hand and brought all the snacks that everybody counts on moms to have for them. Now Heber, the Kenite, had separated from the Kenites the descendants of Hobab, Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had pitched his tent as far away as the oak in Zananinim, which is near Kadesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinadab, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him from Herosheth Hagoyim to the river of Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, up! For this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Tabar with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harasheth Hagar. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. This is a brutal story. That's the end. Right? We could just end right there. Yay! The bad guy's lost. Okay? But we still have Sisera, who's on foot. Verse 17. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael. He didn't stumble upon it. He didn't like randomly see it and be like, hey, maybe I could hide there. It says that he ran to Jael, the, to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenanite, for there was peace between Jabon, the king of Hazar, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. To spitball in here. But why do they say that he ran to the tent of Jael and not to the tent of Jael's husband? Because he wanted to go lick his wounds. He wanted a place to stay. He didn't want to get confronted. He wanted a nice, peaceful, submissive woman to hide him. It's going to get brutal. But Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabon the king of Hazar and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. That should have been his first clue. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And she's, sorry, the picture of a mom, you know, covering a grown adult male with a little, you know, snuggie is too much for me. So he turned aside and to her, 
So he turned aside to her into the tent and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the opening of the tent. And if any man comes and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. Verse 21. But Jael, the wife of Heber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. Then she went softly to him as not to wake him up, not to disturb him. You guys already read up on the screen what it says, don't you? Gah! Then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. Not a little bit. Until it went into the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness, period, so he died. Oopsies. You're not going to get a lot of that promoted on social media. We don't hear a lot of stories about women nurturing men and then murdering them. But Sisera was an enemy of God. Sisera was, had his, basically his foot on Israel's neck and he was choking them out and he was oppressing them. And God called Barak and Barak said, I'm scared. I need somebody to hold my hand. And so do you know what God did? God said, you know what? I know exactly who will do what needs to be done. A woman. I know exactly who can do what I need done. A woman. And it's one of my favorite stories. Plot twist, right? Nobody? Just me? Come on. Can you just imagine J- Cicero shows up and is like, JL, are you my mother? Will you put a rug over me? Will you give me some warm milk? <laughs> Ugh. Bad choice. You should have gone with option A, buddy. Um, we have a picture of what a woman is. We have a picture of what a mother is. We have a picture that oftentimes means that we are not enough. That means that because there's such a discrepancy between what I know is idealized and modeled, and we just did a show of hands, and most of you don't fit into the model age group. And we, time doesn't go backwards, okay? We try and fit. And when we try and do that, we realize how much we have to do to make ourselves contort into this image. Thank God, God doesn't require that of us. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, God does not require that of you. He requires obedience. He requires obedience. He requires a willing woman who is so reliable that her that men show up. They know. God needs women that are so reliable. I mean, that one was a bad example. Plot twist, okay? 
that are so reliably acting out and believing and walking out who God created them to be, who God needs them to be, who God calls them to be. Come on. Not this fairy tale, impossible image that each of us holds in our own minds. Titus 2 says this. 2 verse 3. Older women, likewise, be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women. Insert 16 to 21, okay? Because while they are young, they don't know anything. I think that you are all wonderful if you're in that age group, but very few know very much. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children and to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. That the word of God may not be reviled. God has a picture of who you are. Women. Sorry, guys. Maybe I'll talk to you at Father's Day. But we're just talking to the women. God has a picture of who you are. God has a picture of who you are, who he needs you to be, who he has called you to be. And he has asked you to teach the younger women. If they are a year younger than you, they are younger women. If they are 50 years younger than you, they are younger women. We need mothers. We need mothers. We need mothers to step up to the plate. We need mothers to teach our children, even when they are adults. Because, fun fact, even adults don't know anything. Come on. Right? And if you find somebody who knows what they're doing, ask them to switch their job to something else. And they become very ignorant very quick. Right? We need, God's kingdom needs mothers. Plot twist. God's kingdom also needs daughters who are willing to humble themselves and go to an older woman and say, will you please teach me? Will you please teach me how to be a daughter of God? That takes humility. I, I can't tell you, I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. My mom, crazy story, pastor's wife. It's a joke. I can't tell you how many times I have heard stories of women hearing from God, believing that God called them to do something, and that one thing was to connect with another woman, and they would not do it because they were terrified. I'm not going to go to that woman and ask her to be my friend. I'm not going to go to that woman. She doesn't fit the ideal of what I want to be. Except you are not looking at the ideal that God wants her to be. 
You're looking at the ideal that society wants her to be and what society wants you to be. We need humility in the church. Women, we need humility. And I will just say this. Older women are probably not going to chase down and fight you. To be your mentor. I don't know how many times an older woman has said, you know, I reached out to so-and-so. I, I asked her to meet with me. I reached out to her again. I reached out to her again. Just nothing. And I want to say this. We don't have time. We don't have time to figure this out on our own. There is no such thing as self-help in the kingdom of God. There are generations of generations of generations of God's children in God's family. There is no self-help in God's family. It is Jesus Christ allows us to be called children of God, and then we obey God's word. We humble ourselves. We turn from our wicked ways. We call on God. I know this is not what you are expecting, okay? But we're going to end on this. And I just realized that all the musicians are gone. <laughs> hum softly while I say this last part. I'm just kidding. I would encourage you. I would, I would encourage you. And I don't want to be crazy, but men, you also need a mother. You also need a mother. Do you know how many incredible, normal, I want you to think of like the normal person who's 20 years older than you, okay? Those are the people that I went to talk to. Older women, and I asked for their advice, and their advice was life-giving. Ladies and gentlemen, Derek on pads. If you ever find yourself not feeling up to it, not feeling up to the task, if you ever feel like you're not enough, you're not beautiful enough, you don't have the right words, maybe you said something stupid last night, five years ago, and you can't stop thinking about how stupid you sounded in that one interaction. Maybe you say, hey, look at my kids. My kids didn't turn out right. Who am I? Who am I to teach someone. That's not the question. The question is, who has God called me to teach? Who has God called me to teach? Who has God called me to listen to and to learn from? Whenever you get inside of your head, whenever you get inside of your spirit, whenever you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Nobody wants me. Jesus' great-grandmas are Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, the wife of Uriah. Do you know how dismissive that is? People dismiss me. 
people dismissed Uriah's wife. I'm not even going to say her name. And I landed on Mary. Read the list of Jesus's great-grandmas and Jesus's mother, who was a teenager, who was already betrothed, engaged. She was Joseph's, Joseph's property in that culture. And God showed up with an angel and said, hey, Mary, I want you to do this crazy thing, and it's going to look a lot like teen pregnancy. It's going to look a lot like, ironically, all the other women that are listed in this genealogy. And God wants to do something special in you. And Mary says, "Uh, so how is it going to work exactly? And the angel explains God's plan. And she says, okay, I'll do that. Because of Mary's obedience, we have Jesus Christ. Because of Mary's obedience, we have Jesus Christ. Because we have Mary's belief in who God created her to be, called her to be, asked her to be, we have Jesus Christ. And everyone who believes in him and calls on his name, let's look it up. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes, cross your fingers. Lord, we thank you. Gosh, I, God, I am overwhelmed by what you have planned and are able to do through God's children. Lord, whenever I am not enough, whenever I don't think that I'm enough, whenever I point out all of my flaws, my hurts, my hangups, God, I ask that you would remind me that the people that you used were not perfect. They were far from it, but they were willing to be humble and do what you called them to do. Lord, I ask that today you would do something special, that you would plant mothers and daughters in our minds, Lord, to train up, God, to become the models of what you want your daughters and your sons to look like. Lord, we need your grace. We need your guidance. We need your courage. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mothers, you are wonderful. Can we give a round of applause for everybody's mom? Come on. You guys are wonderful. You are dismissed. Go get your kids. Go enjoy the sun. Go find flowers somewhere or a tank peg, whatever, whatever God's called you to.